Welcome back to another episode of the Max Term Podcast. Kyle Stitcher alongside James Finch. And today we're going to look at a couple, kind of a comparison discussion around two of the top defensemen that we have in our AFP analytic contract projections. Link can be found on Twitter, X, I guess, formerly Twitter, if you will. Full projections can be found there. But we're going to talk about two defensemen today. Phil Peronik, Mo Sider. Ironically, one is a former Red Wing, not not too far removed, and the other is the Red Wings' current top defenseman. So we want to get into a little bit of a discussion on them for a couple reasons that we'll get to in, in a second, and we really appreciate you tuning in, giving us a follow at AFP Analytics on Twitter is where all our content lies. Subscribing to this podcast, we're available on pretty much all major platforms. We're going to be trying to put out episodes at least once a week, if not a couple epi- shorter episodes more frequently. We'll, we'll see how what type of pace we keep up with that, with that, but we do appreciate you tuning in, listening. Any thoughts or anything, always free to hit us up on uh, X, formerly Twitter. I got right that time, good for me. So Mo Sider and Philip Heronik are projected, are, I guess we can call them two and three on our defenseman contract projection big board. Number one, Brandon Montour. We've done a previous episode on Montour. He should be he should be in line for the highest payday, and that might be because of his contract status. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent, which is going to be important as we get into the Heronic versus Cider discussion as well. But we have Montour as our number one. Then Philip Heronic is actually our number two on our big board followed by cider so we're talking dollars like tens of thousands of dollars per year so we're not talking a big amount but i think if you were to ask a lot of people who's the better defenseman who would they rather have the answers i would imagine on most if not all the answer is going to be most cider if you ask detroit fans i think they might have a very strong opinion currently that cider over chronic where this gets interesting and i almost think we almost just cut to the chase a little bit here and let the conversation grow from there this from a value standpoint is really a conversation of the general value of restricted free agent years versus the value of unrestricted free agent years so us projecting Philip Hronick, you, you said it, it's tens of thousands. I, we're looking at 40, 45,000, maybe. I might need glasses soon. That's not good. Hronick just slightly above Cider. Keeping in mind the future of Cider as the top number one defenseman for Detroit, he's also signing as a player who's going to be going into his age 23 season where Hronick's going in age 27 season. Hronick, I believe has got one year left as a restricted free agent. So if he were to sign for a one year deal, it will walk him to free agency. That's not the case for cider. There's still RFA years um, there to, to buy essentially. So quick, let's let's define a few things that we've just thrown around there. So 
Hronik and Sider are both what are called restricted free agents right now. That means that they that the team that they're currently with has most of the leverage they hold the hammer in basically negotiations so if another team wanted to to talk to Horonic or cider there would have to be an offer sheet those don't happen let's just bluntly say those don't really happen in the nhl and then the different the difference kind of in their statuses right now is Horonic's has what's known as arbitration rights so he can take his case to an independent arbitrator we've actually put out an episode on arbitration so not going to get super into that maybe we'll try and link that or somehow figure out that if not i'm sure you can find it by going to max term podcast on any platform and it'll be there from last summer one of the early episodes august or so so i think that's a good listen in in this context to understand how it works but generally because you can't talk to other teams unrestricted free agency is less favorable to players Brandon Montour right now is going to be an unrestricted free agent, meaning he can talk to any team, which generally drives up the price because people are bidding against each other. Phil Peronik will be able to talk to, as you had mentioned, any team. He's got he's got finished this current season with Vancouver, and then he'll have one more season, likely in Vancouver. But if he were to like go to arbitration and only get a one year contract, when that contract's up. He's eligible to talk to anyone. So Vancouver has to really entice him, incentivize him to forego that opportunity. Mo Sider, on the other hand, has four more years. So he's he's got a so this year that, that's currently happening will finish out. And then he would have to play four more seasons before he would have the opportunity to talk to other teams. So Detroit has some control there. So the fact that we have him projected just, say, percent of capitalized 0.04% less is, is actually a better value for him because of the fact that the team has more runway to work with before he kind of gains leverage in the situation. Yeah, and I I think generally a thought to keep in mind is the first, well, not first, but the big money for players doesn't usually come early in those RFA years. It's it's towards the very end of those RFA years and then the UFA years because of kind of that reason of the teams have a bit of the leverage. There's not any bidding wars really going on. There aren't teams competing to pay the player. So, yeah, for Cider to be, I would say, pretty much even on a long-term uh, sense, looking at the AAV, Cider being even with Hronik is almost a nod to how good Cider has been and quite frankly a nod to it's probably going to be become, if he's not already, a better player than Hronik. So let me, let me kind of tease this out. So I think it would be fair to say if all the players 
Montour, Hironic, and Cider were unrestricted free agents, they would be ranked differently. But they also wouldn't be super far off value-wise, I don't think. So right now we have Mo Cider's short-term deal. So this is only going to buy restricted free agent years. We have it projected three years, 5.6 million average annual value. So we're basically placing a value on restricted free agent years for Cider of 5.6 million. So we have a three-year contract projection because there's no chance that the Red Wings would agree to let him have four. I shouldn't say no, but a very small chance. Well, that it would make sense. It would be a very bad decision. Yes. If they did give him four, they would walk him right to the ability to talk to any other team. So we have him. We have the Red Wings paying for three when he's going to have four. So let's just say hypothetically four years of restricted free agency valued at 5.6 million per year. And then we think the value in unrestricted free agency for some easy math here would probably be what Brandon Montour is getting close to $9 million. So if Cider is going to forego three years of unrestricted free agency when he signs that seven year deal, 9 million divided by three works out really nicely here. 5.6 million for Mo Sider's short-term deal. His long-term deals about $3 million more. So basically he's being compensated equally over those seven years to forego three years of unrestricted free agency. That's kind of how this works. So uh, another factor that kind of goes into this is his performance and talking cider, his performance in relation to some other big name players and kind of how they performed at that same age. So cider's the number one defenseman of the future for the Red Wings. He doesn't necessarily have all of the points that would come along with that yet. That said, there's a lot of numbers some of the more advanced numbers that we can look at that would point to Cider really being arguably one of the better defensemen in hockey. Some of these numbers, I'd say ones that speak towards quality of competition, the type of deployment, really point to him being a very good defenseman. We're just not quite seeing yet the high level of scoring, traditional I guess, way to evaluate a player of goals and assists. I think simply put, money comes from putting up box score numbers. A lot of where Cider is really good are not box score numbers. I think we're moving in a direction where it's going to be more part of the conversation, but in negotiations, that's just how it goes. And I think one of the top comparable contracts for Cider is Owen Power Buffalo Sabres. Again, he's another player this season. Has, he's already signed his contract, so this current season's kind of irrelevant. He's been not quite as good. But he's sneaky, really strong defensively. But hasn't put up but didn't put up the box score numbers. So Cider Basically, having a long-term projection rate in line with that makes a ton of sense. Cider might want to go short-term 
and the team might agree to that because these numbers aren't there and I think there might be an argument from both sides that he's still developing this is a prime situation if you're on the player side to take advantage like teams at the the Red Wings should be no hesitation looking to do a seven eight year contract blow them out of like give them eight and a half million per year give them 8.6 8.7 it it's fine it's going to be really fine down the road chances are they're not going to do that chances are they're going to lean on how negotiations have always been been done and say you don't have the numbers and i think one of the other reasons that cider should really consider the short-term option is so in our sample for the contracts for cider power sanderson those are like the top names we that can even be output because those for situationally those are like the biggest contracts ever signed for defense for younger defensemen coming immediately off their entry-level contract if you take cal mccarr i guess out of this situation who's an absolute unicorn when have most of the big defensemen gotten their contracts that's when they've been 25 26 years old close to unrestricted free agency so if you're cider or if you're a fan looking at wow cider's a steal right now yes he is because he hasn't hit where some of those other defensemen got paid yeah and I, I think so we have an article on the afp analytics website pretty much telling teams stop doing bridge deals and it's because it's very beneficial to lock someone in early because what happens let's say cider gets this three-year deal that we're projecting at 5.6 well in three years the cap's going to be quite a bit higher he's most likely going to be performing at an even greater level and overall the deal is going to be much more expensive and i'll specifically say the long-term deal he would sign then will be much more expensive than if you just signed him for the seven-year deal we're projecting at 8.3. So that's kind of the overarching dilemma with these negotiations is whether to go long-term or short-term. And I, I agree with you. We're pretty much saying it would benefit Cider to go short-term for that exact same reason do the three years now and then cash in on that long-term deal later at most likely a much larger value. So if you're wondering what, what kind of contracts higher value were, I'm thinking of, we're thinking of, think about like the Seth Joneses, the Darnell nurses of the world, the Zach Wierenski's to a slightly lesser extent, but those contracts night, like we're talking nine plus and those were signed under much smaller caps for, frankly inferior players cider easily is probably looking at well i guess i guess one of the recent deals signed that would be comparable to cider if he were to do a three-year deal is rasmus dalins and we're talking 11 plus million at this point if you're detroit you can either get them for we'll say 8.3 to 8.5 maybe a little bit more by one extra year or pay him probably 12 million down the road yeah that's i think 
that would be very fair. And I, I guess that number could differ slightly depending on what we're looking at from a salary cap perspective. But th- this is pretty much, and we've talked about this before, it's the long-term versus short-term conversation. Beneficial to the player to go short-term should be beneficial for the team to go long-term. And this might be a situation, as you said, where the player and the team might actually favor a short-term deal, whether that's actually what they should be doing, at least as a team. So even though we have Phil Peronic higher on our board, I think we're laying out the reasons why Mo Sider is really the better, more valuable player. It's just situationally different. And, I mean, I think you could even argue – Compared to Brand Montour, Sider is also the more valuable player. It's just, again, situationally what we're buying, what years we're buying of their contract situation. So with that, we really appreciate you uh, listening to this episode of the Max Term Podcast. Give us a follow at AFP Analytics on Twitter. We have, again, our contract projections for every player with comparable contracts posted there. Any questions, thoughts, feel free to ask, uh, direct them right there at AFP Analytics on Twitter. We appreciate you subscribing, li- listening to Max Term Podcasts available on all major podcast platforms. And with that, we'll talk to you next time.